action. Welcome to Torn Stubs with me, photographer Robert Gershenson, and Joshua Winning, the greatest film critic you've never heard of. And we're going to the movies. We are continuing our celebration of 21st century horror by moving on to Final Destination from the year 2000, directed by James Wong. And this time with a guest. Please welcome back to the podcast from last episode, Shelley Toy. Shelley, welcome back. Hi guys, She's thanks for having back. me again. I'm like a bad dodgy sequel. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a good sequel, I think. <laughs> Are there ever any good sequels? <gasps> oh, Terminator 2, Terminator 2. Final Destination 2, values. but we'll get on to that. Mm. <laughs> Joshua. Hello. Okay, so I've discovered when I was a teenager, I had a scrapbook. And um, it was full of all my favourite magazine cutouts that were kind of like Buffy, I Know What You Did Last Summer, Scream 2. And I have a single entry for Final Destination. Wow. (laughs) On page 108. And it's a a clipping from the, um, the Choices Video magazine. Remember Choices Video Shop? Vaguely. Uh, I had a Ritz and then a Blockbuster. Oh, okay. Well, we had the choices, uh, clearly. And um, yeah, they would do an issue every month, tell you what's coming out. And uh, clearly, I just thought their write-up of Final Destination was worth sort of saving for the ages. So I thought I would introduce the film by reading out their little um, synopsis. I just have to say, Josh, it was on page 108, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that what you said? <gasps> so that's oh like 180, God. like the flight. That is weird. <laughs> or one is A, eight is No. <laughs> <laughs> Your book is Adolf Hitler. That's Mein Kampf. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it even more relevant. Whoa, I wonder if I knew that when I was doing it. Anyway, so this is the Choices Video Magazine introduction. This gruesome chiller was a surprise hit at the box office and is guaranteed to provide plenty of hide-behind-the-sofa moments. Makes me feel like they didn't, hadn't actually seen the film. <laughs> Minutes before the start of his school trip, Alex Browning, vital information, has a terrifying vision of a plane crash. He manages to persuade a teacher and some pupils not to board the flight, which explodes soon after takeoff. I think he didn't really persuade them so much as causing a massive scene that got them all ejected unceremoniously from the aircraft. But all right choices, all right choices, fine. Shunned by his classmates, Alex becomes the focus of attention. No, who'd have thought? Mm. When the other survivors start to die in suspicious circumstances. Released 6th of November, even more choices. No, even more copies at Choices Video. Wow. How much was it to rent... A new release back in the day. It was like, wasn't it three fifty for a twenty four hour, and you can get a bag yeah. of popcorn and a. It big wasn't that cheap as well. Yeah, it wasn't cheap. No, it and wasn't it says cheap. the stars of the film are Devon Sawyer, yes, Kerr Smith, okay, Sean William Scott, yeah, Tony Todd is in like one scene. There's no, <laughs> not a single mention of Ali Larter. Poor old Ali Larter. That's tragic. She's even she on wasn't the picture. Really known there, was she? 
No, she wasn't, was she? That was before Heroes. Yeah. Before Legally Blonde. This may was it one of her first films then? I reckon it was. But she must yeah. have been. She she's like a baby in this film. She's yeah. so baby faced. But she's so good. Anyway, there you go, Rob. Had you seen this before? Oh yeah, loved it. <laughs> I think I th- I love it. I lo- I really like this series of films. They do every film is exactly the same. You start yeah. off with an event that some survive some don't and then the ones who do survive start getting picked off one by one by some unseeable force and the deaths are just brilliant there's so many killings i love the killings. <laughs> i love me some death and killings yeah this is made <laughs> for you shelly this a franchise is shelly yeah <laughs> as the series goes on the the killings and deaths just become so mental like in one of the films a pane of glass falls on a child and squashes oh, him oh dead. that's the second one isn't it or someone gets someone gets his asshole sucked out by a swimming pool filtration oh, oh i haven't seen that one <laughs> yeah is that number four it's is one it of the four? later ones yeah not the very last one it's probably like three yeah. or four uh, i think it's the one that's called the final yeah, destination the oh, so that you. is the final one then because no. that's the one that no, ties I into think... this one, doesn't it? Oh, no, that's sure Final Destination now. 5. Oh, mm. so that's going to be 4 then. No, there's there's the Final Destination is number 4, and then there's Final Destination 5. Yeah, that's what I just said. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I do apologise. Jesus Christ. But the, the, the cast is literally late 90s, early 2000s royalty. Like you said, Devon Sawa? Sawyer? But it's with a W. He's American. Oh. <laughs> He's allowed. Yeah. I, he was having such a moment at that time that he did Idle Hands, he did the Stand video. He seemed to be tipped for superstardom mm. and then he kind of disappeared. I wonder what's happened to him. Well, he came back massively ripped, like a real action tough guy. How have like... I not seen this? <laughs> <laughs> I think you might like it, actually, Shelley. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to check it out later. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not like a nerd anymore. He's like a proper like military-grade weapon. <laughs> you know? Oh, see, I like a nerd, though. Yeah. But, but I'll make an exception. I'll check okay. it out. <laughs> yeah, you do that. You do that for yourself. <laughs> he has such a brilliant sort of close-to-the-edge anxiety energy to him. And yeah, he's incredibly. His physicality is brilliant. The way that everything is just this big thing, walking into a room, running out of a room, jumping over a lawn and landing on his face. Yeah, and he looks like he's not perfectly immaculate like most teen stars. Like he has kind of not, you know, kind of like not a perfect complexion. He's mm. got beautiful eyes, but he's not necessarily like chiselled or anything. He just looks like an American kid. He looks like a regular teen. Yeah. Just looks like someone that would work part-time down, you know, the bowling alley or the cinema <laughs> or somewhere and then go to school. And he's not the most popular kid. Yeah. He's not Zac Efron. He's not poetic like Timothy Chalamet. It's, yeah. it's really, it's really, it seemed to be something in the culture then that the nerds were almost... Mm. In, you know, the geek were inheriting the earth. You've got the kids, a year before you had the kids in American Pie and they were the nerdy yeah. ones and they were suddenly being um, pushed to the fore and suddenly they were the heroes. Because ordinarily, the Kerr Smith character would be the lead character in this film or yes. the, uh, the, 
the still 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 first stiffler 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 i can't remember is sean williams scott yeah. I had such a crush on Sean Williams. Did you? Why? I still do, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I like the like funny and the geeky guy. <laughs> so yeah. like this was like the perfect uh, casting for me. Because in this, he it. still is like Stifler, but he's like Stifler's nerdy kind of cousin, isn't he? He's, it's really weird <laughs> to see him in this role. It's his second time on the pod, isn't it? We've covered him before in Cop Out. Oh, God, that was a long time ago. I forgot about that. A couple of years ago, episode 37, when we did all Kevin of Kevin Smith. Smith's films at that point. Yeah. He was in Cop Out. He was brilliant in Cop Out. He's a, a I don't think br- I've seen that. Well, he's he's riffing and um, improvising with Tracy Morgan back and mm. forth in this cop car. Oh. And he's phenomenal. Like, they, they, are, they bounce off each other really, really well. It's the other guy in the scene that doesn't do very well. Bruce Willis. <laughs> Bruce Willis, hmm, not so good at the riffing. Yeah. Um, Ali Arta, pre-hero. She has a really, um, she has a suicidal energy to her. <laughs> She's kind of a tragic figure. Yeah, yeah, I kind of like that. She was like the um, kind of like the outcast with no parents because mm. you never see her parents. Well, they're dead. And, um, Oh yeah! <laughs> you never see a bloody God. parents. <laughs> I was just like, oh, how point horror is that? You don't see a parents, yeah. but well, the dad's dead, but, and yeah, the mum ran off with some other guy. I think. <laughs> so was she just living on her yeah. own? And like you, what In about garage, health and safety with all those like blowtorches? <laughs> she's she's done a course. She's, she's got her sort of <laughs> health and safety. She's living in the garage. Kersmith playing against type. He's not soppy Jack. No, he's more. He's more Wow, he's he's just a jock, isn't Being he? He's a really cool car. Really cool yeah. car. Brendan Fayer from uh, Roswell puts in a very brief appearance as the first dead guy's brother, I think, is it? Oh, yeah. Um, Todd's brother. Oh, I forgot his name. Yeah, Todd's brother. Todd's brother, yeah. So he dies in the yeah. plane explosion. Yeah. Mm. That plane explosion was... It was extraordinary because they keep the perspective, they keep the view of it, the camera, inside the cabin. Mm. We don't suddenly have a shot outside seeing the wing fall off or whatever. Everything is within and we start seeing trapped in there with teasers rolling on the floor to show us that, you know, we're we're off Mm -hmm. centre. Then the the side explodes out and people are being sucked off out (laughs) of the (laughs) out. We're gonna uh, die, we're gonna (laughs) die. Was this a different final destination? Final destination. And then, <laughs> and then the sparks. <laughs> it's traumatic. It's really it puts you in the place of of Devon Soyal Sawal Yeah, it's horrific. It's so well staged. I think it's such a great um, sort of climax to what has been. The first twenty minutes are basically perfect filmmaking. It's so the tension just gets tightened and tightened and tightened and there's all these weird uncanny details that the camera is focusing on that really puts you on edge and it all just starts to sort of escalate as the scenes progress to the point where you're so on edge like I remember watching this film in the cinema and being so on edge as a teenager not really getting it was kind of a comedy just fully sort of you know consumed by the horror of it all so that when that explosion happens and then you know, there's a fade to black it, you feel completely traumatized by the whole thing it's like what the hell's going to happen next 
I definitely think it gave me. I mean, I was all. I'm really scared of planes, mm. and this just did not help yeah. that situation. But I love the whole build up to it. So, like when you've got like um, the whole like foreshadowing when he hears like the John Denver plane in the toilet, <laughs> yeah. um, and then like the. Um, I think there's like a luggage cart as he's going into the chute, which has got like six six oh, yeah. six on. And like, I love the whole like playing with numbers kind of thing mm. that the whole film did, especially at the beginning. Yeah, like the flickering um, um, night light board. thing that shows one. Yeah. Into, yeah. And then I think, isn't it, uh, the luggage tag mm -hmm. um, is the same as his... No, the departure date, sorry, is the same as his birth date yeah. or something. Yeah, just weird little things um, like that, though. Just like, what's going on? I just love on? it. I love stuff like that because, like, if that happened to me in an airport, yeah. I would be out of that airport yeah. and I would not get on the plane at all. Yeah, <laughs> I'm uneasy about flying as well. And a couple of years ago, I was flying to Berlin and that would have been the first time I'd been on a plane in a couple of years and I kind of got in a bit of a YouTube rabbit hole I started watching air crash investigation shows <laughs> oh my where, gosh where they would have CGI recreations like like 1990s level CGI oh, wow. from the sci-fi channel uh, recreations of the plane crash in midair, oh and then God. the show would piece together what happened. And in a weird way, it settled my nerves. <laughs> so, this is kind of so you were actually on the plane whilst you were watching this. No, no, no. <laughs> the month or so in, in the lead up to. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's extreme. Watching no. that on the plane. <laughs> no, no, no. That really sounds like exposure therapy. I don't like take off because i hate the no. way my stomach feels like it's dropped to my ankles i don't like landing and the bit in between i'm not a fan of <laughs> either and i think i'm i'm only 65 kilograms <clears throat> right <laughs> i can't hover so how can I, how can a big fucking plane stay in the air and it's very high yeah it's like i oh, also I don't understand how, make... how boats can float when my yeah. iphone can't yeah it's when people kind of go no the plane wants to be in the sky i'm like no i don't i don't understand <laughs> i don't want to be in the no. sky <laughs> the plane doesn't want anything it's a plane no but the people like that that's what aerodynamics is is that it's sucked up into the into the air like you're not actually flying you're basically sucked up um and well, not if they run out of and but if they run out of suck you fall. <laughs> <laughs> Bring on the suck, as they say. Can't run out of suck. <laughs> you guys are like making my fear worse. <laughs> I'm never getting on a plane again. <laughs> um, when does the reality end and when does his dream start? So doesn't his dream start when he gets to his actual seat? Is that when it starts? Because we never see him go to sleep. He no. wakes up in the seat full of, like, completely drenched in sweat. But we don't know when the dream actually starts. Mm. So maybe the whole of the airport he dreamt. Because we don't see we him travelling see... towards the airport, do we? We see them get off the bus, don't we? Um, or the minibus. Or... The mum rips the old luggage label off. Mm. That's the morning before. That's the day before, isn't it? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the night before. Yeah. 
But yeah, so we see them the get dropped off at the airport, don't mm. we? But is that the dream? Because we see him in bed and then... Because I kind of took it that it starts when he he that all the everything ha- happened at the airport and they get on the plane and then it starts at the point where he sits in his seat mm. his actual seat because um, obviously that's where all of a sudden he wakes up and then gets off the plane mm-hmm. after so I kind of took it that so we it just started didn't see there. him sit down and fall asleep they you yeah. know just saw him wake up as like a sneaky yeah, little edit. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Rob's not convinced. <laughs> Rob's not convinced. <laughs> no, I'm not convinced. <laughs> so why? Where do you think the dream starts? I wish, I wish I knew. I wish <laughs> I knew because I'm just trying to think if it ties in to the end. Because in the dream, he moves to sit next to Todd, so the two girls can sit next to each other. And then there's a whole point of contention at the end when he's realizing, oh no. I mm. did move or I didn't move. So is the end of the he film... He hasn't moved yet. But is the end of the film taken into consideration what happened in reality? The fact that he didn't move, that he just started shouting to get off the plane? Or is it taking it into consideration the dream? So if mm. it's taking the dream, was the whole thing a dream? I think... Mine's blown. Yeah, I think the whole of that day happened as he dreamt it basically because the whole point is he has the premonition so i think that there's no difference between the premonition and what happened in reality that's why you don't see there's no clear distinction between them the the exact same stuff happened that's why he knows something bad is going to happen what he dreamt hang on so you're saying he he got on the plane and then got into a seat fell asleep immediately Mm -hmm. who does that um, fell asleep immediately into a proper deep, deep sleep where he had proper REM yeah. dreams. And he dreamt the last two hours worth of events get into the airport. Well, we saw we saw that two hours in about two minutes. So, yeah. I know, I know. But he's dreaming exactly what happened. Getting to the airport, seeing the board change. Yeah. For a ship with his mate, which is weird. And then only, only when his dream reaches him getting onto the plane does the dream deviate from yeah the reality that he just experienced that's my story and i'm sticking mm. to it no that would ne- <laughs> i'm sticking to mine <laughs> that would never happen joshua that would never happen how do you know i hope you never find out rob <laughs> <laughs> well maybe i'm dr- am I dreaming now <laughs> i actually can't tell Could it be. feels like a long episode no <laughs> Where does he get this second sight from? It's because mm. oh, this is this is the weird link between this film and Happy Death Days. It's, but it's their birthday, both of them. Yeah. No, it's not his birthday. He just happens to be sat in a seat of the same day as his birthday. It's All not right. on his birthday. Oh, there's still, yeah, so there's was, still like a weird yeah. birthday theme going on here. Um, yeah. <laughs> so maybe a, on your birthday, birthday, magic theme. things happen, or oh. anything related to your birthday. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for my birthday. (laughs) Is it connected to his mum? Why? His mum? Because she's she's about to rip the label off and he goes, no, 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 leave it or something like, it's good luck or something like that. Oh, and she rips it off. And she rips Mm. it off. And the only reason he is born on 
September 25th, 9.25, is because she went into labour at a particular time and gave birth on that particular date. So it's all it's all traced back to the mum. So <laughs> is there something about the mum and the family history that he is able to have this premonition? If she is so sure to say, oh, no, you'll be fine. So does she have a, a, a second sight? But maybe it's broken because if she, <laughs> she would have noticed the fucking plane thing or it was all a dream and she was right. And eventually at one point he will wake up and realize that it was all a dream and she was right. Nothing would happen. And mm. she was perfectly fine to rip that label off. You thought about this so much, Rob. Oh, I'm really man. impressed. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I... the way my mind works. Is it so? <laughs> so he can cheat death he's he has the premonition so that he can cheat death um mm. like he glimpses the plan he like glimpses the design that death has kind of like for some reason planned out so why does he why does he glimpse that and is it because he can change it but at the end we find out he can't change it because you know Kerr Smith well, why dies. does he glimpse it at that particular moment why mm. not why not three weeks before why is it why you know why there's a why is there only a five second delay is it not just tapping into that thing where people in real life have been like the plane's gonna crash this plane has no phalange and it's just like playing into that silly kind of people think they have premonitions about bad things happening and then sometimes they do it's not that's just coincidence there's no reason in the uh in the actual plot that's just that's just coincidence but in the context of this film death Mm. You know, the Candyman told us death has a (laughs) death has a plan and death has a a design. So is it a case that death is toying with Alex, that this is Mm. this is death's way of of setting a plan in motion and then giving someone almost like a cryptic Mm. get out of jail free card and seeing if that person acts upon it? Is death bored of just taking people he's sick of winning he or she they because anyone can identify as death these days yeah they decide i'm gonna play around with these kids Mm. possibly yeah or really it's just like death is just pissed because obviously he wanted a certain amount of dead people persons and he didn't get them (laughs) so he's going after you we all work to targets yeah (laughs) it's his kpi KPI. (laughs) (laughs) he wants that christmas bonus (laughs) (laughs) you can tell this is a pre-9-11 film massive because no one gets tasered in the face and no (laughs) one gets put on a no-fly list and also the fact that it has a massive great glorious you know not glorious gratuitous plane crash at the start of the film kind of tells you that this was pre-9-11 yeah yeah well there's a bit of a funny story i'll tell it really really quick but (laughs) um so obviously i was obsessed with this film like obsessed and my mum knew i was obsessed she knew i was scared of like planes and stuff like that long story short you planned um, and orchestrated (laughs) 9-11 not quite (laughs) but I went on holiday and um, basically we was flying back we were in the air as 9-11 happened and obviously yeah so obviously you could tell there was something not quite right going on because we were asked to like sit in our original seats because there was a lot of spare seats Mm. on the flight 
we were asked to sit in our seats. I've never got through luggage so quick, wow. like, when we've got the other end. And obviously then, like, we got told what had happened. Anyway, my mum had left me voicemails on my then mobile, which was probably an old Nokia or something like that, screaming down the phone <laughs> saying, you better have got on that plane. I know you've seen Final Destination. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> which I know is like, I'm not taking the mick out of like the tragedy or anything, but it was just that moment of that voicemail. Mm. Like I knew something really yeah. serious had, had happened. Um, well, that's but, a yeah. handy alibi. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I actually interviewed the uh, an actress called Emma Bell, who's the, the actress in um, Final Destination Five, <clears throat> and she told me a story of how she had got cast in the film, and then she was like flying out to to shoot the film, and when she was like checking in at the counter, the the air steward said to her, "Oh, and is that your final destination?" And she was like, "I don't want to oh. get on the plane anymore." <laughs> I'd be gone. I'd be like, I am not getting on a plane now. Get get the twelve-hour bus. Yeah, <laughs> I'd walk. Uh, here's a question: When did Nicolas Cage clone himself? Into who? Into who? The FBI guy looked just I... like Nicolas Cage. <laughs> who? Shrek, Detective Does Shrek. He? <laughs> yeah, I didn't think that. Oh, he looked just know. he looked just like Nicolas Cage. It I'm going to have to go back and have a look uncanny roger no not agent shrek it's the other one isn't it um there's a white guy and then there's sort of a mixed race guy agent vena vena i could i mean i could kind of see that as nicholas cage but not really he looks just like <laughs> no this is going to divide your listeners yeah. <laughs> um you know when you know when the blonde girl gets killed by yeah. the bus oh that what a scene what a scene. It's on the Death. corner of the street where the cafe is. Uh-huh. But the bus mm. is going at like 50 miles per hour <laughs> round a corner. That's bus drivers for you. Who's <laughs> driving that bus? Sandra Bullock? <laughs> no, Tony Todd. Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Tony Todd, yeah. Jesus. Do you know, that yeah. scene actually um, didn't use any special effects. Or if you've seen my driving, possibly me driving the bus. <laughs> the Get girl sacrificed herself for art. <laughs> um, I think as, as with that scene with the bus as well, they um, they had to like the next scene after that is when they're putting like the Elka seltzer yeah. or paracetamol in the glasses, yeah. and they actually had to extend that scene. It was like just an extra scene because people in the test audience were like still reeling from the shock of the bus because they just didn't expect it to happen. <laughs> Why would Alka-Seltzer <laughs> help them? I don't know. They hung over. Maybe I'll try that. <laughs> is this a slasher? See, this is my, this was going to be my question because I kind of think that Final Destination was the final nail in the coffin for the, you know, the renaissance of slashers because this came in like the year 2000 so we'd had four years of Scream, obviously, bringing back, you know, the postmodern slasher. Then we had I Know What You Did Last Summer, Urban Legend, all of those films. And I think that Final Destination kind of topped them all because how do you top having death as your serial killer, basically, in your film? An invisible antagonist, really. Yeah, exactly. And I think that around this time is when the teen horror 
films had just sort of devolved into parody. You know, we had Scary Movie 3, Shriek If You Know What I Did Last Friday the 13th, Scream 3, Urban Legends Final Cut. It was all starting to kind of get a bit silly. And I think Final Destination came along and was just like, goodbye, everyone. <laughs> you know, we're going to blow you, blow you all out of the water. Thank you very much. But it's, it's different because it's not, you know, Final Destination's not wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's a, it's a serious horror film. It's not, it's not self-aware. Yes, there's a few nods yeah. in there. There's a character with the surname Hitchcock. There's a character with the surname Browning. So there's... Yeah, Billy Hitchcock. And, and, brilliant. And, yeah, Billy Hitchcock. But, and you know, the Candyman has a cameo in it, but not as the Candyman. So it's... I think they named all the yeah. characters, sorry, after, after like filmmakers and horror directors, um, black yeah. and white horror stars. Yeah, yeah. so Todd Browning and, and mm. yada yada. But it, it's not a case of you know like scream where the characters and part of the story part of the narrative part of the lore is to do with slasher films yeah this is almost like the first postmodern not postmodern slasher yeah. film of that that second wind but so did you feel how did you feel about tony todd Arch, um, like him appearing in the film i liked his appearance and when i first saw that i it's been strongly denied that he was like the personification of death. Um, mm. A lot of people have denied that, but in my opinion, that's exactly what that scene was. Mm, yeah. And I just thought, and like, that's one actually, actually one of my most memorable scenes from the film yeah. because I just think it for that short period of time, I mean, he's such a good actor anyway. I love him, but for that short period of time, he... It's kind of, it kind of makes you hold your breath, yeah. that whole scene. Like, it just, just it's got tension. such presence. I loved it. Mm. Yeah, I loved it. it. He crops up in the other films, doesn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Mm. Yeah, he is a consistent presence. He is the voice of death, at least. that You can't... It's, mm. like, it's like Ralph Inson. He's got that, mm. got that very low voice. Yes. <laughs> Sexy. Alone. <laughs> Be my victim. <laughs> Not you, like that, Josh. <laughs> like a man with a hook. Yeah. <laughs> Do you wake up in Always. the middle of the night and just start saying Candyman into your mirror, hoping that he'll come to the bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> I once wake up in the middle of the night and thought my husband's arm was a snake and started beating it. Oh my God. <laughs> <gasps> We'll draw a veil. Yeah. Yeah. Let's <laughs> yes. move on. We'll move that. on. <laughs> um, there's a real organicness to the deaths. There's wind, there's water, oh, yeah. there's fire. It's very organic. It's sort of, to me, the natural elements sort of reiterate sort of the immutable nature mm. of death. They can't escape something as natural as that. And it, it's never fully. Um, you know, it's not explicit. It's not like Captain Planet where they go, Earth, wind, fire, I am Captain Planet. It's it's very insidious. It's mm. just there and it's there to be found if you want to see it. Because so many of them involve liquid at least. Yeah. Poor Todd slipping in the bath and then the teacher, it's weird. She gets so rep- Held by a mug, she throws the water across the room <laughs> <laughs> and then slips on some alcohol. Which vodka can't catch fire like that, can it? That's more of a brandy thing. 
Oh, I thought any well, alcohol. Vodka's yeah. not. I don't think vodka. That flammable. sounds like personal experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just wouldn't. I mean, uh, speaking as a Jewish person, you wouldn't put vodka on top of a Christmas cake thing, oh, would yeah. you? Christmas pudding. I mean, it smells pretty flammable to me, vodka. And she kept it in the freezer, and it wasn't even frozen. But vodka doesn't freeze, does no, it? No, vodka never freezes. Oh, okay. Edit yeah. that out. <laughs> doesn't doesn't yeah. freeze. Um, and Joshua, if that you're... Right what's that all about? <laughs> Joshua, if your vodka smells flammable, then you're clearly not spending your book advance money. Wow, well, yeah. <laughs> but death kind of... This is where I started to be like, hmm... And it's it's the fact that death cl- kind of cleans up after itself. So when Todd, when Todd slips yeah. over, you then see the toilet liquid move back up into the toilet. So it's like hide it. Death is literally cleaning cleaning up. But I just kind of felt like it would be a lot more insidious if that didn't happen. That's why in the other deaths, I think they didn't do mm. that. I think that's the only death, Todd's death, which was like. I think the most horrific oh, one because he just felt yeah. every moment when his eyes pop oh. Oh, his just, eyes yeah, but, even even the way they like have his, his feet like yeah, yeah just everything it's the most horrific one mm, yeah. I think out of them all because it's the most I realistic as well yeah yeah and that's the only time I think they showed that death covering its mm. tracks because they decided after that I, I believe that it would be more like eerie and more up to viewers imagination not to show that yeah i mean they could have just edited that little bit out to kind of make it fit the rest of the film i guess but it just it really stood out to me as like death's covering up but but i think it'd be much creepier if he didn't well it's there to show us that death has a presence that Mm. death is you know it's conscious it it has a conscience to it It, it's alive Mm -hmm. it's not just it's not just a a random act. Death has in, has an intention to mm. it. Yeah, and that's like just terrifying. It's um, it's gonna it's, get you. Oh, it's gonna terrifying! Get you. Terrifying. It's kind of for me. This film is is basically the omen for teens, minus the religion, because it's all those freaky deaths that almost seem predetermined. And there's ominous portents of doom that surround them. You know, there's clues. You can see clues of how they're going to die. It really works as like an update of the omen. I thought of it that way, yeah. Because, yeah, in the omen, everything is... Well, the omen is the photos, right? We know that the the priest... His mother was a jackal, right? The priest is going to get stabbed somehow. And the... The the nanny, Damien, it's all for you. She has that loop around her neck in the photo. And then mm. David Warner's like, look what's going to happen to me. And he's got like through his neck. Yeah. So here it's just about the sequence of death. It's not how they're going to die. Mm. Well, you do see there is foreshadowing. Like when the teacher is walking around her house, there's like something that's shaped like a knife right behind it so you know she's going to get stabbed at some point oh behind the computer wasn't it yeah but i kind of like that like even like with todd's death and Mm. um the teacher's death like you kind of you know it's going to happen because you know that someone's um seen like a premonition or whatever but you kind of know it's going to happen 
but you don't know how it's going to happen. Mm, so all yeah. these things keep happening and you're like, oh, is it going to be that? Is it going to be that? Or it's like the, um, um, like Roger Ebert said, it's basically like a Rube Goldberg set piece. You know, Rube Goldberg, mm. who made all the machines at like, in the home, is it, um, <laughs> what is it in? Oh God, Ferris Bueller. It's always in Tom and Jerry cartoons, isn't yeah. it? Like the bowling ball will go. Yeah. And then yeah. the broom. Yeah. And then the, I mean, it's Doc, it's Doc Brown's. Yeah. Um, Dog feeder. Dog food dispenser at the yeah. beginning yeah. of Back to the Future Part 1. Gremlins kind yeah. of does it. Yeah. Because, like, the teacher, obviously, like, she didn't put that um, tea towel dishcloth or whatever it was on top of the that. The wood block, the knife block. Yeah, the wood block. Yeah. I mean, who stopped doing that? Yeah. <laughs> like, as soon as, like, I used to do that no. a lot. And I was like, no, not doing that anymore. Because you might be on the floor um... trying to pull it down and then <laughs> all the knives would fall on you. <laughs> One yeah. will land bullseye in the middle of your chest yeah it reminds me but of it just shows and then the chair sorry, fell on her that's oh that's my god yeah like and he picked up the blood why would you pick up the knife from someone <laughs> yeah i love how sure yeah. william scott is like the heat caramelized your blood <laughs> how does he know that <laughs> he's also oh, leave him alone <laughs> he's also in the wrong place so many ways. times on that yeah. fucking bicycle yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I think that kind of like sums up his death as well like wrong yeah. standing in exactly the wrong place at the wrong time yeah, I hate I hate his performance you you stay away from me you, you. while he's walking towards him you, you, st- you stay away from me <laughs> oh there's Shetty like oh he's can do no wrong oh. I love him <laughs> What did you think about the the kind of inverted commas love story between Alex and Clear? Her name is Clear, isn't it? Clear Rivers or something. Yeah. She's not Native American. What's her real name? <laughs> I always thought that name was so cool. Clear I Rivers. It was so cool. <laughs> Clear Rivers. What's that? It's like Tuesday night. Tuesday night from um, the the Friday the Third. No, um, Nightmare on Elm Street series. Tuesday night. Oh, Tuesday night with a K. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. From I don't know how you saw Tuesday with a K, but she managed it. <laughs> well, clear, she was named after um, the assistant of Glenn Morgan and James Wong. So it's kind uh, of like, but I think they added rivers from like some random other person. So they made it rivers. silly. <laughs> it was clearly a um, codependent relationship born out of not dealing with trauma in a correct way. <laughs> mm. Um, I kind of like they didn't explore the romance too much because I think that just would have ruined the film Um, but I do know in like I'm always going on about like alternate endings because mm. I'm obsessed with them. But like I know in like alternate ending, um, they did explore that. Mm. Um, and I think she the the ending was completely different, and Didn't, she got yeah. pregnant or something like was that. Was it on the yeah. DVD? Because I feel like I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, it was on the DVD commentary. I think and they changed happened? the did ending the, a couple of mm. times. Did the baby claw its way out, and that was her death? <laughs> Candyman. <laughs> I can't remember. I. I I know I've definitely seen the alternate ending, but I just can't remember. I just know she was, like, pregnant, and then I think... Um, it's just, like, a really subdued kind of philosophical ending with no, like, Yeah, shrieking. there was no, like... And and the test audiences, like, hated yeah. it. So then they tried something else to do with a helicopter crash <laughs> or something. It's like Jaws um, for the revenge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was something like that. I mean... 
please correct me if I'm wrong. But um, but then the test audiences like really hated the fact that Carter got away mm. with everything and like didn't die like in the original endings. So they had to bring the actors back and film that the actual ending that we we have yeah. which i think is such a good Much ending because he gets his comeuppance and were they in the throuple <laughs> <laughs> but it was paris <laughs> yeah. oh my why else, would he, why else would he just suddenly be friends with them because it's like you it said was it was really like random. they went through something horrific together and he can't not be with them anymore just in case so they're all together held together by their trauma and then yeah why didn't why did Alex wait until they were in Paris to go you know what I've got, yeah. I just want to ask some questions like why not do it on the plane why not do it yeah, beforehand absolutely. because to get to Paris they've got to get probably a taxi a bus through the airport on a plane again then taxi but all this these dangerous situations mm-hmm. where anything could happen and what actually gets them is the Moulin Rouge <laughs> sign falls on them yeah <laughs> Which I think had a one eighty on, on it. it. Yeah, yeah. But death kind of did like it didn't really have a time limit because True. I think from the plane crash to when like the n- next opening scenes are, I think it's like thirty nine days have passed mm, yeah. or something. It's like why did death wait that long <laughs> to like take his revenge? Yeah. And then obviously how long it was between the ending and then the Paris ending. <laughs> it's well, like... to be fair, to be fair to death. He's it's like Santa. It's one person for the whole world. So he's got other people he needs. Oh to yeah, bring their souls. <laughs> he's like, I oh, must go back and sort out that Alex guy. Yeah, he was like, oh well, I can't do it today. So let me put on the back burner. Oh, oh let me. Uh, if I do right, it, if I'll, I do it I'll next month, I hit I'll, my KPI. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so he's you know death's busy because not only is he death, he's got a part time job in the morgue. <laughs> That was Final Destination, directed by James Wong. Joshua, give us a clue what's coming up in the next episode. Oh, it's, is it a chilly one next one? Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast and Spotify so you don't miss that episode. Joshua. We're on Twitter at Pod. Come let us know what you think of Final Destination. Have you seen them all? Do we need to have a sick film? Shelley, where can we find you? So you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Shelley Toy, or if you like all things Point Horror, um, on Instagram at Tales Point Horror Book Club. Brilliant. Check it out. Shelley has some absolutely brilliant reels. So down with the kids. (laughs) They're so funny. You do one every month, don't you, for each book? I do try, but um, yeah. I think I feel if it makes me laugh whilst I'm doing it, then like. As long as I make other people <laughs> laugh, then I'm happy. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> we you. are off to have a cup of vodka. Until next time, I remain Robert Gershenson. I'm Joshua Winning. And I've been Shelley Toy. Cut. The shadow from the starlight is softer than a lullaby. Rocking mountain high. And
They say that he got crazy once And he tried to touch the sun And he lost a friend But kept a memory Now he walks in quiet solitude The forests and the streams Seeking grace in every step he takes His sight has turned inside himself To try and understand The serenity of a clear blue mountain lake Simple thing cannot comprehend Why they try to tear the mountains down To bring in a couple more More people, more scars upon the land In the Colorado Rocky Mountain High Rocky Mountain High 